are also recording as well. So, okay, uh, once again, uh, scores from uh, NHL action tonight. Uh, Boston wins one nothing. St. Louis wins uh, 4-1 to over the uh, Arizona Coyotes in their game tonight. So that it was um, in the uh, NHL. Let's go over to um, uh, college basketball. We're going to go to college basketball now. I'm going to go to the men's um, side. We'll go over some uh, men's scores with you on this Friday night. Okay, uh, men's scores. So we're waiting for the score. Okay, once again, top 25, one game tonight in pro um, uh, happened. Uh, Illinois winning 77-72 over um, Nevada. Uh, that was, uh, they're now 14-5, 10-3 on the season. We will go to the D1s. And we'll give you an update on those games going on in progress. Okay, once again, Tulane lose tonight, uh, 53-49. We'll go through the um, uh, numbers on this game. So let me pull this up. Um, so we'll go through the box score, and we'll also go through the uh, stats. Okay, once again, uh, Tulane loses, 53-49. Your leading scorer tonight was Jeremy Forbes with 14 points, Walker with 14. So only two players in double figures for the Tulane Green Wave tonight. So once again, they uh, lose. 53-49. Uh, your, um, your leading scorer for uh, UCF was uh, Green with 18 and Perry with 14 um, tonight. And um, it was a very low score in the fair, but it was um, a loss for Tulane. So let's go through the uh, team stats. Okay, team stats. Uh, Tulane shot 31%, 18-57. Not a good shooting night for Tulane. It was only 31%. Uh, UCF shot 39, three-point shooting. Um, UCF uh, shot uh, 10 of 25, good for 40. Tulane shot 5 of 21, good for 23. Um, free throw shooting, uh, Tulane did shoot 80% from the free throw line. They did get out rebounded 39-33. Um, also, Tulane um, won on the offensive boards 13-12. Uh, defensive boards, they uh, lost 27-20. Tulane had um, only 11 turnovers to 17, so they should have won this basketball game tonight uh, in retrospect. But to be honest with you, it was not, not meant to be. Uh, so it was very low-scoring basketball game. But was uh be honest with you, look, Tulane's going to have a lot of these games that's going to happen like this because, uh, look, they're going to um, – there's not much scoring and stuff like that happening uh, in these games. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. All right. So, so once again, 53-49 uh, is your final. Uh, we will go through all the NCAA, uh, once again, um, D1 scores. So, uh, we'll switch that back in. Okay, once again, we'll go through all the D1 scores, UIPI. Uh, wins 89-69. Uh, Canisius wins 74-67. Um, also, Longwood wins their game 78-71. Uh, St. Francis, Pennsylvania wins 80-66. Uh, also, um, uh, let's see, Mount St. Mary's wins their game 64-46. Also, Hampton wins 62-57. Uh, Iona wins um, their game 85-67. 
Also, Youngstown State wins their game 84-70. Um, Green Bay wins their game 86-82. Also, Stetson wins their game 74-71. Um, Charleston Southern wins their game 69-68. Murray State wins their game 80-60. Liberty wins their game um, 73-61. In their game tonight, also... Marshall wins 107-79. Um, UC Davis. Let's scroll it down. UC Davis uh, did win uh, 68-66. Cincinnati wins the game over Temple 71-69. Also, Campbell wins the game 64-49. Um, VCU wins 67-64. UMass Laurel wins 79-71. Um, Murmark wins, uh, 72-52. Also, um, Wright State wins 92-81. Robert Morris wins the game by the final of 88-82. Um, Winthrop wins 55-47. Belmeet wins over, um, uh, no, Belmine, Bellamine. Bellamine, I'm saying, trying to say it right. It's uh, A-Sun School wins, um, 60 664. Also, um, Jacksonville wins 6660. Florida Atlantic loses 8480. Um, it was Akron winning 8376. Um, UC uh, San Diego loses 7671 to CSU Bakersfield. Also, um, um, <laughs> UC Riverside wins 8665. Uh, Louisiana Tech wins their game tonight. They're nine and four in the um, conference USA, seventy uh, to fifty-eight. Also, um, it was um, Buffalo winning eighty-six um, fifty-four, and Clemson winning seventy-four seventy-two. Also, Kansas City winning sixty-two fifty-two. Denver losing um, seventy-five sixty-nine to Western Illinois. Rice. Losing to Western Kentucky, 77-71. Southern Miss loses to um, uh, North Texas, 65-49. Also, it was um, Utah Valley winning 87-72. Uh, and Arkansas State wins 73-62. Um, Cleveland State loses 89-83 to uh, Detroit Mercy. Florida International... Um, Wins over, uh, loses to uh, UTEP, 75-59. Also, um, Seattle wins um, uh, 83-72. And also, uh, Portland State winning um, 99-64. Other games were postponed due to the coronavirus um, pandemic. So, that was... Um, your men's basketball school board update. So we will um, see what happened on the women's side. We'll give you a, a women's um, update as well. Okay, women's college basketball um, school board Friday night. Okay, let's go through the top 25. We have some women's um, games we want to report on. Okay, some <laughs> finals tonight. UConn wins 64-40 over Georgetown. Also, um, it was um, 
UCLA winning their game 69-58. And also Arizona winning 60-51. And also um, Missouri State winning 69-52. Other games were postponed in the top 25. Now let's go to the D1s. We'll go through all the D1 scores. Okay, all the D1 scores. I'm going to go through. Okay, um, we'll scroll again. Fordham wins their game 51-36. Green Bay wins their game 80-56 over um, Illinois-Chicago. Also, Cleveland State wins their game 68-45 over Purdue-Fort Wayne. Also, Cal Baptist wins over um, uh, UT Grand Valley uh, 82-61. LaSalle wins over Davidson. Um, 55-46. Also, a high point wins uh, 103-73. Uh, UT Martin wins 56-51. Kansas City wins their game 69-59. Wright State wins 66-50. Also, it was McMurray uh, 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 State winning uh, 81-79. Also, Texas State winning um, 66-45. Also, Rice winning 64-55. Also, it was um, Louisiana Tech uh, women's team winning 75-51. Um, Amber Dixon had 20, 10, and um, 5 uh, assists. Uh, also, um, uh, New Mexico State wins 64-49. And uh, Quinnipiac wins 67-55. Also, uh, Utah Valley wins... Um, 63-51. Also, um, George Washington wins 63-45. Also, Dayton wins 72-54. Florida Atlantic wins their game uh, 72-59. Also, Howard wins their game 66-57. Uh, Western Illinois wins over Denver uh, 85-68. Drake wins... Um, 83-54. Also, it was um, St. Louis. Scroll it down. Um, scroll, to, scroll it down. Um, where I'm rating the scores. St. Louis went 66-50. St. Bonaventures went 72-62 over George Mason. Oakland went over Milwaukee, 83-82. Um, UIPI went 72 -50. 65. Also, um, it was um, Arkansas Loader Rock winning 70 to 63. Uh, Delaware winning 68 60 over Drexel. Um, Loyola Chicago winning 67 49. And Northern Iowa wins 73 72. Washington wins over uh, Arizona State 50 to 35. Longwood wins uh, 94 48. Uh, Florida International loses 76-64 to uh, UTEP. Uh, UC Davis uh, wins over Long Beach State 67-52. Cal Poly wins 70-65. North Texas defeats Southern Miss 76-55. Colorado defeats uh, USC 66-56 um, in their game. I'm going to scroll it down some more. Uh, Hawaii wins their game 72-62. And Cal 
State Bakersfield wins the game, and the other games were postponed uh, due to coronavirus. So that is um, your college basketball uh, men's and women's um, updates. Okay, local games tomorrow. LSU will take on uh, Tennessee. Uh, McNeese will take on Southeastern. That'll be a 7 p.m. game. Uh, pretty uh, most likely we'll have that game. I'll probably want to do that game Southeastern and um, uh, Nichols. I will do that game. It will be on ESPN Plus. We will uh, have the uh, game audio from um, ESPN Plus that will be uh, in the feed um, tomorrow. Hopefully we will do another game. So I will most likely we'll do another college basketball game that will be tomorrow. Um, so so we'll. We'll, uh, we'll go. We'll uh, have that happening. Okay. Uh, update. Uh, Lakers on top, ninety-two, eighty-two. That's um, in the uh, fourth quarter, going on in um, out in LA. So that is. So we are live uh, once again. Thanks for um, coming in. Thanks for the like. Whoever did that, appreciate it. Um, let's go over to the. Um, I'm going to switch over. And we're going to uh, do the Tulane um, virtual media dates. Uh, that was uh, baseball. Uh, we'll hear from Travis Stewart and all, um, some of the Tulane players and also LSU media day as well. So we'll be uh, doing those videos for you. Uh, let me go ahead and switch this out. Okay, uh, LSU media. Uh, LSU media day will be a little bit later. We'll put that in there. So we'll have Tulane baseball. So Tulane baseball this weekend, uh, next weekend, excuse me. It will um, begin. Uh, we'll have uh, Travis Hewitt talking about um, what's uh, what to come for the Tulane baseball team, and also we'll have um, Brandon um, Otto off. We'll have him um, on, and also uh, Travis um, uh, Trevor Menden. We'll have also uh, hear from him uh, talking about uh, what's to come for Tulane baseball. So let's go ahead and uh, play the Travis Hewitt. Um. First and foremost, you know, uh, thank you. I appreciate you guys taking the time to, um, you know, cover our baseball program here at Tulane. Um, so it's an, it's an awesome day for me, which because the season's getting closer, so that's cool. Um, I'm not counting the days down like I tell the guys I'm going to make this day count, but it is cool to think about what's up on the horizon, the ability here today to um, share with you uh, about our team a little bit, kind of maybe what our schedule looks like and things like that. But uh, let everybody know uh, we're deep into training, and, uh, you know, we've kind of got our last – Dress rehearsal this weekend. We'll we'll scrimmage uh, tonight. Um, hopefully they'll turn some heat on for us. That would be good. And then we'll replicate it again Saturday and Sunday. So boys are doing well. Um, real proud of them in a lot of different ways. You know, this is a tough time to be a college student in general, you know, but a college student athlete with all the COVID and the restrictions and the restraints that have been put on them, but I think they're embracing them well. Um, you know, last year is last year, but I think we have some good feelings about what that felt like going into this year. 
uh, the guys want to play, so they're they're being pretty, uh, you know, on alert in terms of what they've kind of have to give up to gain so that we can make sure that this season goes off. So um, I like the group collectively. You know, I think they're uh, um, we have some um, quality position players. We've got some depth in the pitching staff, and um, you know, we just need to. We've been uh, doing a lot of homework, and we just got to get take a test. So, looking forward to a uh, opening weekend ahead of us. And um, you know, I'm here for any questions that you might have. Questions for Coach Hill. Hey, Coach. This is uh, Joe Heaton with Baseball America. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Great, thank you. Good. I, I um, I'm curious how you and your staff are approaching the idea of four-game weekends, and furthermore, not having midweek reps once you get conference play underway from a pitching standpoint. You know, how are you guys working through that? What do you think the challenge of that would be? And, and do you have a general strategy of how you think you might attack that? Yeah, it's obviously a little bit different, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody's maybe a huge fan of double headers, but let me tell you, Joe, I am, because that means we're playing baseball. And- yeah, to be honest with you, to put it in perspective, look, I think, like I said, these four-game um, weekends, I think they're absolutely going to help this team out in the long run. Because, look, um, if they lose one game, they drop another, they have another chance to um, to split the series. That's just um, my opinion. I mean, a lot of people might not like it, but it is what it is, folks. It is what it is. I mean, it's, it, it's um, like I said, uh, it's water under the bridge. Uh, when it comes down to it, I want to see what this baseball team is going to do um, in this 2021 season. That's one thing I want to see happen. I mean, I don't want. I'm not worried about what what people say about these four game doubleheaders. That doesn't matter and stuff like that. So um, uh, once again, Travis Jewett talking about. Um, uh, well, um, I wanted to put my two cents in, and the fact that. Uh... You know, our administration, I, I think, have done, has done a great job of wanting us to play and not uh, hamstringing us, so to speak, and, hey, we're going to play 40 games or 30 games or what have you. So um, as a league, you know, we've sat down and talked about, you know, how do we guarantee ourselves the most games and, and uh, also be fiscally responsible. So that's kind of why you see the balance of, uh, once conference starts, no midweeks, add the game on to the four. So um, it, it'll be a challenge, you know, but what we're going to have to do is is we're going to have to find a fourth starter. Um, most of the time you do that anyways because you're playing on those Tuesdays and Wednesdays or both. Um, we'll just probably have to get a guy going that way so that he can be versed and repped and, uh, get his length going so that eventually when the conference start, if that particular guy, just like any of the, the other three starters, is performing well and he we feel like he gives us the best chance to win, then we would probably move him um, into one of those four spots. So we'll be, uh, and we are to this point, uh, because we still do have time left, uh, we're competing for openings uh, on this baseball team and so we're trying to figure out you know who some of those starters might be and then uh, have them be able to transition into that fourth game I will tell you not only is it four games it's 
four nine-inning games. You know, we've talked about all the different kind of flirting arounds about, um, you know, a seven and a nine or two sevens or things like that. But, uh, again, administratively, conference-wise, I think they realized the fourth game, the extra pitchers they've um, added to our normal travel roster. So we'll go from 27 to 30 now um, in our conference game. So that, that will allow us uh, to play four nine inning game so it'll be a it'll be a challenge and uh you know but again i'm not a huge fan of double headers other than this year i'm ultraly excited about it because we get to play baseball so hope that answers your questions joe any other questions for I mean, Trevor Mender came in last year. He, he had pretty big, big shoes to fill. You kind of, you know, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Going to, going to third base, you kind of knew what you had in him, too, so you have a lot of confidence in him. How would you assess what he's done? I mean, obviously, he had a terrific year in, in short term and, and, uh, and just in what he means to this program now. Yeah, you know, um, Trevor's a, one heck of a human being. He's a great teammate, all those things like that. His skill set... Um, is very qualified to sit into those hosey type shoes, you know, and not putting any pressure on him. But we felt um, good about what we had in that replacement. I've told you this many times, and I talk to the team about this a lot. You know, he plays a game with uh, such an evenness to him. You know, there's a, a heartbeat that I really appreciate. Um, I don't think he takes it too high or too low in either regard. I think he's got the ability to do what I think all great baseball players do and, you know, play with a, an even keel. And so, um, you know, we talk about this with our offense, but he's a very multifaceted kid, Gary. Uh, he plays premium defense. He can handle the hot smash at third base. He can play on the run. He can throw from all different angles. Those are high characteristics of a uh, professional style infielder. So, uh, defensively, he's good that way. Offensively, um, you know, you saw the numbers that he put up in a short time last year. You know, we challenge our guys all the time. That was last year. Um, stay humble, keep working. He's a very invested kid. He's at the field all the time, um, working on his swing, maybe sometimes too much, which is not a bad problem. But, um, you know, he's always working with his swing, taking swings, making adjustments. And I think he's a kid that um, is going to hit for a high average because, you know, he's got control of the strike zone. I think he knows what his strengths are as a hitter, um, you know. And then I think the older that he continues to get in maturity and strength and stuff like that, I think his power will continue to develop. So, um, And I think maybe what a lot of people might not know is that uh, he can run, you know, Trevor can run, and uh, we've already have some kind of nuanced signs between the two of us, kind of like, Jew, like, come on, take the parking brake off, let me go, like, I can run, I'm good at it, he's got good instincts on the bases, so, um, yeah, uh, just a really good human being, a good team leader, and uh, just a well-rounded baseball player, so, uh, if anybody could fill the shoes of a first-rounder, right, we, we, we've got this guy in our program, and uh, I think he's handled 
um, that extremely well. So we're grateful that he's here. Uh, my expectations are is that he's going to have one heck of a season. Well, striking out's not allowed in our program, so uh, yeah, that that would be too many. I think he um, realizes that. It, and one thing you have to understand too, Gare, and for all the callers out there, is that um, hitting in itself is one of the hardest things to do in sport. Um, and then also, there's a transition period too, right? Not that he didn't face some um, quality pitching in junior college, which he did. But, you know, you don't see it as much or as consistently, right? So there's a little bit of a transition period there. So <laughs> I would tell you that with those strikeouts that you made mention to, I would assume through his competitive nature, learning shapes of pitchers, our plan more, things like that, that that would probably decrease as the season were to go. So he's a prideful kid. Uh, we think we have a really good two-strike plan. He's probably tired of me kicking him in the knee from striking out, so he's probably going to stop doing that. So that would be cool. But we, we do expect that uh, he's going to hit for a high average. He's going to hit for some power. And with that, at times, um, you know, the ball can disappear from your bat. Okay, So we just want to try to um, eliminate that to our best of our ability. And uh, I think that you know, you'll, you'll see some of those adjustments from him through the course of the season, no doubt. Okay, let me say something about the strikeout. Look, yeah, I think what uh, Travis Jewett is saying is true. I'm glad that that that, he, that that they're taking the approach that they don't allow strikeouts in that program. I mean, to be honest with you, you got to you got to start hitting the ball because look, um, uh, these teams that they're going to be facing. In conference play and then on um, uh, regular con um, non-conference, they're going to be hitting the ball. So they have to um, once again um, counter with these situations. I mean, that's just some um, facts. I mean, you can't just um, sit there and strike out every single time uh, and expect to win a game. It's not going to happen like that because you have to have uh, quality, efficient bats. So, um, once again, Travis Jewett, uh, we'll uh, hear from Travis Jewett. So, let me uh, put this on. Routine. Routine. Um, you know, I'm a little upset he got rid of his little red bag that he came <laughs> here from Palomar with. It was cool. It was like, I don't think it was Nike. I don't think it... It might have had one strap. I don't know. But he used to always just kind of tote it around, and it had his glove and his bands and his balls and whatever it was. But um, routine, you know, I think he's got a vision. I think his mental approach and his clarity about what he wants out of this environment and while he's here and what he sees himself doing in the future. Uh, I just made mention earlier, don't, you know, count the days, make the days count. Um, he's a guy that I look up, whether he's pitching, which he will do today, 
uh, or he's on the second day of a six-day cycle before he pitches again. It's just routine, 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 routine. And so um, very hard worker. You know, he's. I look at him now, and uh, he's gotten a lot bigger too. You know, he's grown taller. He's gained weight. He's stronger. Um, all those things I think will be helpful. But, you know, we all see the pitches and the shapes and the strikes and the ability to do all the things that come with being a really good pitcher. But I think that, uh, you know, we talk about our program, deserve victory, deserve success, things like that. Well, that doesn't just fall out of the tree. It has to be earned, and, and uh, I think he gets exactly what he puts into it. Hey, Travis. Andrew Doak from uh, CBS in New Orleans here. Hope you're doing well, man. Um, Andrew, how are you? Good. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, I'm curious, with um, with the extra year of eligibility some of these guys got in return and with the MLB drafts, you know, being cut down to only five rounds instead of 40, we talked to Fulminari not so long ago, and he said he thinks college baseball is going to be about as deep as it's ever been. I mean, how do you feel like that could affect just the strength of college baseball? Do you feel like it's going to be even stronger than it maybe has been over the last couple decades, maybe? I think without a doubt. You know, I think the emptying of rosters um, through draft eligibility, through graduation, exhausted eligibility, um, those aren't like that anymore, especially when you talk about the five-round draft, you know. Uh, so, yeah, we, more players are remaining in college. And um, I know some of these guys you're asking me questions about. You referred talking to Paul. Uh, it could be Coach X, Y, and Z. Um, we all got some extra Christmas presents this year, um, whether it was to the liking of those guys at the particular time, but it is what it is. The COVID is the COVID, and uh, it's allowed for a lot of programs to retain um, quality people and quality players, and, and we're no different. You know, you guys have talked to me about both Minder and Oltoff to this point in this Old Zoom call. call. Uh, if the okay, we'll I have old call uh, once again. Uh, that will be after. If there is um, extra years of Brandon Otol, we would be talking about them in a professional uniform. Uh, the Keegan Gillises of the world, guys like that, that are going to be high contributors to our team this spring, from a mental and physical standpoint, that they would not be here anymore. Um, so. They're just going to have to wait their time. I tell the kids all the time, uh, it doesn't always happen on our watch. You know, 15-2 and two last year, it smelt good. It felt good. I think we all had a feeling of where it was going and then gone. Uh, Braden, Mender, Keegan, they were all planning on playing pro ball, which is what I want from our guys, uh, not on their watch at that particular time. So they just got to hunker down. Uh, be appreciative of what they have, where they're at, and they got to make the best of, uh, you know, where their feet are at this moment. And I think they've all done a really good job um, doing that. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be de delayed a little bit. But because of that, college baseball, it it's going to be a bear, you know. And it's getting better and better every year as it is, uh, you know. The far right and left competitions are shrinking, you know, where it's 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 very competitive. There's a lot of very good programs out there that are committing to baseball, and that in itself makes it tighter. But when you are able to hold on to um, quality players as these guys are, um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna make.
it's going to make it like a little bit of a minor league, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I think it is going to make for a very good college baseball season. And I'm curious how you feel like some of these four-game conference uh, weekend series, do you, do you feel like they could affect you negatively or positively from an RPI standpoint? I mean, is that even at the, the forefront of your mind, at, you know, when it comes to a scheduling standpoint, or is it just trying to get to the season first and then we'll worry about the rest later? Yeah, I think get through the season first. And, you know, I, our schedule is what it is, you know. Uh, now our RPI of our conference is good. So the more we play each other, that, that's probably not going to hurt us any. So that'll be good. But, um, you know, I'm not too worried about that. I don't even know if there's going to be a true math formula for RPI this year, right, because there's only a X amount of games that you have to play to qualify for the tournament. And, um, you know, some teams are doing it different, this, that, the other. So there could be a little bit of shimmy shake um, with that in itself. So we're, all we're trying to do is win today, and then when Lafayette shows up, we're just going to try to win the, each game as they come. And then if we win them all, like, who cares what the RPI says? Like, we're going to be good. Like, that'll be we're, – we're in, you know. So um, that's how I kind of look at that and let the eggs fall where they might. We have a very competitive schedule, you know. We've changed it 16 times, but we're, we're at where we need to be. And – and uh, it's a little more regionalized, but it's it's good. We've got some good road opponents in Troy and Mississippi State and hosting Lafayette and La Tech and a very good Grand Canyon team from uh, out in Arizona, Andy Stankiewicz, a former Yankee major leaguer and a colleague of mine at Arizona State. They're very good. So um, we've got uh, a good schedule uh, for us to challenge us that way. And then the four games that you're talking about, Andrew, it's just – uh, if you would ask me this question two, three years ago, I would have been chewing off my fingernails. Uh, this year, no, see, we got Latham's Army. Um, we're, we're better that way. We're longer in the tooth. Um, we've got guys that can start and bullpen and set up and slow you down and speed you up and backside Johnny guys in the bullpen, which... I told the guys the other day, you know, our starters are ultimately important and we feel like we've got a handful of good ones. Uh, the ability to now pass the baton in the middle of those games or late in the games, we've got some pieces out there. So I think we can get it started efficiently. I think we can transition it well in the middle and then I think we can have the ability. Now our guys have to do it, but I think we can slam some doors at the end, okay, and kind of hold on to the the games that are ours and that we deserve to win. So feel good about it. And uh, you better when you've got four games on a weekend, right? And so, um, you know, I, I think we're going to be able to match up well that way. Coach, do you expect um, big things from this club? Is, is, that, a, is that a fair question? 100%. Absolutely, yes. Yes, I do. Ed, how are you doing, by the way? I'm doing well, Coach. I'm doing well. Define what you, what you think is a big thing. Or... Big thing. Um, winning, you know. I, I would like to see this team learn from last year's successes and move our program into the NCAA postseason. That's the expectation. 
we don't talk about it like that, Ed. We just try to train well to play well, prepare well to play well, you know, all those things and challenge the kids and put them in good environments so that when the game gets pointed into play, we're ready and that we have a chance to, to win, you know. And so, um, but my expectation is to answer your question, and I'm not going to try to run and hide from them. We're talented enough. Uh, we've got enough leadership. We've got enough ability. We've got enough connectivity uh, amongst our team that, you know, we can uh, win our fair share of games and, yeah, I, I, I say yeah. I say absolutely. This team, I mean, listening to what Coach Druid says, this is a very talented baseball team, uh, to tell you the truth. Look, they're going to have a very tough schedule. I mean, make no mistake about it. It's not going to be easy. I mean, sure, they went 15-2 last year. That was uh, during uh, before the COVID hit. So, I look, I look forward to uh, bigger things out of this baseball team in 2021 um, as we go into the new baseball season. Because, look, you're going to play those teams. You're going to play Lafayette. You're going to play Mississippi State. You're going to play those um, teams that um, got into the NCAA tournament. And I want to see Tulane make it to the NCAA tournament. They haven't been to the NCAA tournament since uh, 2005. That's a long time. I mean, that is a long time. I mean, and uh, last time was, um, I think it was 2008. So it was 2005 and 2008, something like that. So I want to see this team get into the tournament. I mean, make no mistake about it. Uh, to get into the regionals. Also want to see them um, host the regional. I think uh, if they can um, muster up um, a lot of wins and stuff like that and get into that um, top um, tier where um, they can get into a host uh, or a host some section, I think they will. I think they will. Just like LSU also. So they probably you, you'll see those two teams Hosted the games, so that that's my that's my um uh, goal for uh, this year is um is to see LSU and Tulane uh, host the um host some host uh, regionals. So and uh, play past the regular season. Well, I do think there's some carryover, and I think it's kind of a two-sided sword, and I say this because I think the carryover that we're bringing with us is we felt last year, we knew what it was like to do what we did last year, so we're going to take that forward with us. We're going to hold that close to our ribs, Ed, and take it with us. And then we're gonna. What we're gonna do is we're gonna take the disappointment and all those things like that, and we're just gonna put that out on the curbside. That's trash. That's trash. And we just want somebody else to take it and throw it in the dump. So we just try to identify like what are the good things, and we want to bring those forward with us. Okay, so that we can understand and replicate those, and then try to leave the other things uh, on the curb, as I made mention. So that's kind of a double-edged sword that way. Um, 
So I, I do feel like the guys um, feel pretty good about themselves, which is half the battle. You know, you stand on that rubber end, you put your feet in that batter's box, kind of how you feel about yourself and, you know, the confidence that you've had, some success in the past certainly helps, the way you've trained, all those types of things. Um, that That's part of it. So I think our kids are, uh, when I answer those questions about what's big and playing in the postseason, I think if you ask them that question, uh, I would guess to think that they would say the same exact thing. Is, is, is one more follow-up. Um, do you think that the program is at the point now where, where you're going to be able to do it on a consistent basis year by year? Yes. I mean, that's the objective for sure. Um, you know, it took us some time to get going. Obviously, we're kind of in a little bit of quicksand, but I think, as you and I have spoken before about this, you know, I just feel good about um, the players that are currently here, really more so than anything in, in baseball with the limited scholarships, right? You've just kind of got to identify where does your monies belong and, you know, where the strengths uh, start from and... Let me tell you guys where it starts from. It starts from the brown circle in the middle of the field, the part of the field that's higher in elevation than any other spot on the field. It's the pitching mound, okay? And that's the old Tufts and Benoit's and Aldrich's and Gillis's, and I can keep going on, that are standing up there even taller now, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, right? And they've got, like, arm strength, and um, they're craftsmen. They can paint. They can change speeds, they can make you miss, uh, field your position, all those things, hold runners. Um, and so we really feel like, Ed, over the course of time, we've, it's taken us some time, but it does, you know, when you're trying to adjust that. And so we've been able to kind of identify where we need to be strong, and uh, we spend our monies accordingly, so to speak. And, and uh, you know, we feel like we're in a spot now where um, it's where it needs to be. And then, um, you know, our coaches... I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about them and what they do to help these guys become the best versions of themselves, but also what they're doing out from a recruiting standpoint. Um, you know, I think we've got a good group coming in. I think Coach Ullman said last night on an alumni, alumni Zoom, you know, we've got the second-rated RPI or ranked class coming in next year in the conference and, you know, maybe a top 41 in the country. So I think, um, you know, we do feel good about the future. And uh, I like our balance, too. You know, we've got graduate transfers. We've got high school kids. We've got junior college kids. And uh, we just kind of meld them all together. And uh, I, I do feel good about some sustained success going forward. Any other questions for Coach Hewitt? Yeah, one, one question to Coach Kenberth a lot. I can. Discuss COVID for a second. And, and the athletics department has done so well with not having to cancel very many games, only a few in men's basketball, football, women's basketball going untouched. How have you handled that, and how are the players handling that and, and maybe the sense of maturity and responsibility they take on their part to try to get all, all of these games in? Yeah, well, well, thank you for being here, Ken. It's good to see you. And this, as I made mention earlier, this COVID thing, it's tough, you know, Uh like I said, long time to he uh, no hear from uh, Kim Burflat. I mean, once again, he did those baseball games a long time ago when Rick Jones uh, was the coach. I mean, look, uh, he knows about this baseball team. So I'm going to be honest with you. That's the um, 
Bible of Tulane uh, sports right there, and that's uh, Ken Berthelot. So I'm glad to hear from uh, what Ken Berthelot um, uh, at the uh, media day. I'm glad to hear from him. So um, I know he's doing a lot of stuff um, uh, on the side, but uh, glad to hear from him. He's the uh, former play-by-play uh, -play man for Tulane uh, Athletics. Um, you could probably think back about your time in college there. Nobody was telling you to grab your mask or be socially distant or take X amount of tests and, you know, this, that, and the other. So um, it's been a challenge for them. It really has. And I try to praise them, um, you know, from time to time to let them know that I get it. It's been tough, but they all want to play, you know. And when you want to do something bad enough, then you've got to make some sacrifices. And right now... Our guys have made a lot of sacrifices. And again, I'll give the university and the administration a, another good plug here. I, I do. I think they've done a great job of just kind of bubbling us to make sure that we get the opportunity to play because that's what they want, and they're willing to take the steps that it's necessary for that to happen. So we have to have a plan in place, which they've done, and then the kids have to realize that plan, and then what they have to do is – Realize that whether they like it or not, it, it is what it is, okay? So um, they've made a lot of sacrifices. Um, they're all healthy. And, you know, I tell them this, guys. Um, connectivity and spirit and energy uh, is a big part of our program. And, um, you know, when somebody's telling you that you can only, like, hang out with your roommate, and I tell the guys, I hope you don't live alone because that's a kind of a small party. But... Uh, when can we not count the distance as much or the number of people and stuff like that? It's in our clubhouse. It's on our field, right? That's our togetherness. So I'm hopeful that they're using some of those restrictions and they were good about it cut leading up to this last year, even more so this year. But I think it's driving the kids to the facility. You know, it's driving them to be together more because they can't really be anywhere else. And so I think it, it, it's helpful that way in a lot of, in a lot of ways, not only just their skill set and their craft and all this like that, but just hopefully, you know, their buddies, their teammates, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, Ken, re real proud of these kids because like I said, I do realize, um, that it's not easy and, uh, you know, uh, they're going to get rewarded for, you know, attacking this thing head on. Thank you very much. Anything else for Coach Stewart before we bring our players on? Thank you very much, Coach. Thank you, guys. Okay, let's go to um, Brandon. Um, Braden, Gary Smith with the Ashkit. Just how do you how do you build on what you, you, you did last year? And obviously, um, if it had been a normal draft, you probably wouldn't be back here now. How much, how much are you going to use the fuel of, of what happened in the draft um, for your fire this year? Yeah, definitely. I, I try not to think about it uh, too much whenever I get kind of a, a recognition or think about last year. I think it does just kind of drive me even harder. It makes me want it even more. Um, I feel like I've always had like a – I've held myself to a high standard. I've always had a pretty good work ethic, so – now that I did do what I did last year, I think I, I don't ever want to pitch lower than that again. So I think that just kind of drives me even harder to pitch even better, work even harder, and just kind of 
produce on the field for my team. So I'm definitely excited to go out there and pitch again. It's a uh, it's been a while since I faced another opponent in that box, so I'm definitely excited. What were your feelings as you watched the draft? I mean, yeah, and, and, and your, and, you know, the obviously the short draft, and, and yeah, I mean, I was definitely disappointed. Uh, I definitely uh, talked to some teams and got some interest, but I think it was more just with the shortened season last year and from talking to a lot of scouts, it was more just a lot of people didn't get to see me in time. I, I know I was a junior college guy, so I don't think I was very high on a lot of people ra people's radars. I think if I had pitched a few more weeks or gotten a full season, I think I would have got drafted where I deserve. But, I mean, I'm very happy to be back here. I think we definitely had some unfinished business, and I definitely want to go to a regional and even compete in the College World Series. So coming back, I'll get my degree now, and I'll be able to compete and finish everything that we left off last year. So I'm definitely excited about that. Uh, I was disappointed about the draft, no doubt, but I mean, I'm not, not worried about it now. I think everything happens for a reason. Everything works out in time. One of the things that sets you apart is your repertoire, your command of your repertoire. Just how, did, how did you develop that? I think, uh, so I, I actually didn't start pitching until my senior year of high school, but when I pitched then, I, I was topping 85 miles per hour then. I didn't really have the cleanest mechanics, but I always did have my command for uh, my fastball, curveball, and changeup. Um, and then once I got to junior college, I, I got with a really good pitching coach, uh, Bobby Shore. Uh, I think I was able to develop a lot more there. Um, and then by the end of my second year uh, in junior college, I was able to develop a slider that I had never thrown until then. And then... Once I got to Tulane, I think I kind of polished my changeup and got it a lot better. Uh, I think when I'm out there on the mound, I just kind of, I'm just competing against the other team. I just, uh, I don't think too much into my mechanics, which I think is why I, I'm so successful at throwing strikes. I think some guys have like a lot of mechanical um, cues that they have to focus on. But for me, it's really simple. Just close hard, ball out in front, and I think it normally does the rest. Chris, too, this is your, your creature habit. I mean, you're, you're a routine guy. You'd be disappointed you don't have the same red tote bag. <laughs> 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 What's he talking about, and, and what did you change to? <laughs> uh, so the, the red bag, uh, unfortunately, I had that one from Palomar my junior college days, but I left a banana in there, and it got kind of rotten, got kind of all over some of my gear, so I had to change it out. I got, like, a black duffel bag now, but, I mean, I think that one will work out just fine. But I, there was definitely a lot of jokes last year about the red duffel bag, so I, I won't forget that one. The routine, how important is that to you? Just to, to just, you, you do everything with a purpose. Yeah, I think it's uh, very important to me. I think it's more just I always want to be healthy. I don't want to ever have an injury. So I think that's kind of where the routine started. Uh, whether I'm throwing 60 feet or if I'm going to go out there and throw seven innings, I kind of do my same routine every single day, and I think that's the best way to have my body feeling good. So I think it's important for everyone as a player to kind of develop a routine, whether it's it doesn't need to be as long as mine or as thorough as mine, but just having something that you can do the, the, like every single day, I think that kind of gets you in a routine, and I think that helps a lot as a player. Obviously, it was a short sample size, but do you feel like you've got the right mindset to build off of last year? When I, I think you admitted the worst stuff you had was the days through a no hitter <laughs> in, your, in your starts last year. I mean, there's a lot to live up to based on those four. 
starts just that you feel pretty comfortable with? Yeah, I def I definitely feel comfortable building off last year. I think I continued to do that this fall. I think I kind of picked up right where I left off. I think kind of my work ethic and like how you're talking about my routine is what's going to keep me pitching the same, hopefully. I mean, last year's numbers were pretty like incredible. They even kind of surprised me a bit. So I hope I pitch the same this year, but I'd say that's definitely the mindset. I'm definitely not going to ever think about like how I used to pitch. I think now that I've had that success, that's how I want to pitch and go out there every time. So that's my expectation as well. Pretty much the whole pitching staff, almost all the key guys are back this year. How good do you feel like this group can be? Yeah, I think our pitching staff definitely improved. Um, we have our whole weekend rotation back. Like you said, we only kind of lost Connor Peller into the draft and then Keegan coming back and a lot of other bullpen pieces. And then I think also what is going to help a lot is the coaches kind of plan on a lot of us going to the draft. So they kind of brought in a whole new rotation that was supposed to replace us. So with that new, with that rotation, we have our whole weekend back plus all those guys. So I think we're very deep on the mound. I think, I know you guys were talking about the four game uh, series. I think that would actually benefit us just because of how much pitching we have. So I'm really excited to see how that format works out. And I think our pitching will definitely carry our team. Yeah, so I top out at 94, but I'd say I'm more 90 to 92. Uh, I, as a starter, I sit in that range, but I also feel like when I pitched last year, it was it's in the cold, and I think w once it gets warmer in the season, I think my velo will jump up a bit, and I think whenever it's a bigger game, I think I can get kind of a little more adrenaline to throw even harder. When I go out there, I don't really think about trying to throw it as hard as I can or anything. I'm more of like a command spot guy, but if I ever need to rev it up, I think I always have a little more in the tank. What was the last time you actually got hit? <laughs> I, I, I look up your last start at Palomar, you struck it, you gave up like three hits, struck out 12, gave up no runs. This fall, you didn't give up anything in, in, in your two starts. So there was a, I mean, was, you remember what happened the last time that you actually got roughed up? I mean, uh, I I've have been pitching really successful. I know I faced a lot of adversity, specifically my freshman year at Palomar. Um, we had a very deep staff then. We had 10 sophomores and only three freshmen, including myself. And there is even a point there where I didn't pitch for like a whole month because I was struggling a bit. And by the end of the season, I kind of got some more opportunities and ended up pitching really well to finish my freshman year. But I think that adversity kind of made me who I am today, and I've kind of learn from that a lot so if there's any adversity or if I ever get hit this year in the future I'm not too worried about it I think I'll just I think Latham does a really good job as well I can always go in there and watch film with him and we talk about pitch tendencies what my changeup works to lefties or righties how many I'm throwing the swing and miss rates all that kind of stuff so getting here to Tulane now and having more resources available I think that's only going to help me out When you guys uh, had last season ended in you know mid March, what, what was your schedule like? Did you were you able to stay in Tulane? Did you have to go back home? Or, uh, who were you able to kind of work out with? I, I know it was kind of weird for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I actually wanted to stay out here and train as long as I could uh, with Corey, our strength coach. I feel like he always has me on a really good program and routine, but. 
eventually the facilities here closed so I did have to go back home I was able to find a good group of guys to work out with back home uh, uh, two pitchers at or one pitcher at Kansas and then an outfielder at Kansas and then a pitcher at Kansas State and it was kind of just our little group that kind of worked out and did everything together so it was definitely tough to find certain places to work out and do stuff but I think we made it work which was nice Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we had we had a really good feeling on last year's team. Uh, we lost some key key guys for sure, but I think the coaches do a really good job of bringing in new guys to replace them. I think the guys that did return, which was a lot of our team, I think we know how good we can be, and we're gonna just build off last year's success. So I think since we were so successful last year, I think we're just gonna build off that, and that's the expectation around here now. So. I think this year's team is, is definitely just as talented, um, and we're yo we are young, so I think there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to surprise some people, so I'm really excited to see that. Great. How much are you looking forward to next Friday after having last season ripped away from you? Oh, I'm very excited. It's been a while since I've faced another opponent in the box. Uh, I know pitching against our own guys is, is always beneficial just because of how deep and how good our lineup is, so I feel like going against our team once I'm facing another team it should should be even easier and uh, I credit a lot of our guys for we're being able to pitch against them and compete against them so I think that's really prepared me for this weekend or next weekend I'm really excited for that Any other questions? Okay. <clears throat> just one hey Brayden, Ken Burton, <clears throat> um, I like some of the things you said about what motivates you and how you look back and then want to get better and want to improve. A lot of pitchers that I've talked through, I've talked with through the years, there's always been, well not always, but oftentimes there's something very special or very personal inside that motivates them on that mound that makes it real personal for them to be the best they can be. Is there anything that motivates you special? Maybe that's your office, maybe you just don't want to get hit by anybody, maybe there's something to prove because you're the pitcher. Just any, anything special that helps motivate you yeah, definitely. I think it kind of started off from when I was younger. Uh, my brother growing up, he was a senior, uh, and he played baseball when I was a freshman. So I think I always credit him for getting my work ethic from him. I kind of always saw how he worked. He was out there hitting on the tee every night, hitting after practice, doing all those things. So I think that's where I kind of got my work ethic from. And then just going to junior college, I mean, I didn't know how like like how much longer I was going to be playing baseball because you never really know if you're going to get picked up from there. And I was definitely lucky enough to get to Tulane. And now that I'm here, I've kind of got the draft interest and stuff like that. So just being how close I am to playing professional baseball, I think that's what really drives me and keeps me going forward. And then I also, I think everyone that's kind of, I'm from Oceanside, I think everyone that's from Oceanside always kind of wants to do it for their city. There's definitely a strong connection back home, so I want to do it for all my friends and family back home as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Any other questions? Brady, my last thought, this is probably a dumb thought, but do you, uh, do you view 
grown the cabbage out a little bit. Does that was that like a pandemic decision? Like no haircut? I mean. I wouldn't say it was specifically a pandemic situation, but I have never grown my hair out this long. I think I was I was kind of starting. Oh, uh, I mean, coming in, I there there wasn't a bunch of expectation from me last year. I wouldn't say. I mean, obviously, I was there to to take his role. I mean, maybe not as significantly, but just to just try to fill the void and um, primarily defensively, from what I was told. I'm, when I first got here, but then uh, the bats started to come around. Uh, kind of just proved to myself that I could could play at this level, and um, I mean it's just kind of crazy that all this is happening. To be honest, uh, like you said, it's it's tough to um, to come into a situation like that. But for me, it's just there's not much pressure there. To be honest, it's just playing the game that I love and, and having fun with the, the guys that I do it with. How did you end up at Parkland College um, in the first place for a group? Right, so it's it's actually kind of a crazy story. Uh, coming out of high school, I I was undersized, not not very highly recruited, um, and one of my my best friends from back home, Damian Pierce, was um, committed to Parkland, and I really had nowhere to go, and I just heard a, a lot of noise about the program and stuff like that, and I ended up calling the coach. Was like, yo, can I come try out? Um, went there and and basically they told me that I had a spot after after what I was able to show them and uh, from there the rest is pretty much history um, we had a good run my freshman year which I think put a lot of our guys on the map and then and our team as as a whole for the following year and then Tulane I think saw me play at Austin P in, in a showcase that we were in in the fall of my sophomore year and then um, came down here on a visit, fell in love. Uh, I, t I tell the coaching staff all the time, I never really saw myself at a at a huge school and, and this place just happened to, to be ideal, so. You were a four-star, a four-sport star in high school. <laughs> you, 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 you even added golf. <laughs> right. How good a golfer are you? Uh, when I play a lot, I, I can break 80, we'll just say that. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, growing up, I played every sport possible, just just having fun. Uh, played football for a couple of years and then realized I didn't like getting hit, so switched over to uh, to golf. And Yeah, I mean, it, that's a game you got to play a lot to be good. So right now I'd probably shoot 100, but. And you were, you were a shortstop like most the best players on the team usually are. Right. So yeah, I played short my whole life. Nobody would let me play anywhere but there. And then um, when I got here, I knew that there was um, other guys that were going to be able to play. Um, so I started training a little bit to play third when I was at my JUCO, and I I was like watching film on on other guys like big leaguers and stuff like that. And like studying the different techniques, and what I found for me is really just that I just play third like a, a shortstop, like I had my whole life. So I mean, the transition was was a little tough, but to be honest, I mean, field the ball, throw the ball—that's about all you can, all you can do. And you mentioned the the losses in the in, in the in, in the lineup. I think if, with all the pitchers returning, I think maybe one of the reasons Tulane did in preseason top twenty-five in some of the rankings is because there's some doubts about the. the 
about the guys coming back, though, and, 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 and the new guys that are going to be in the lineup this year? Right, yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously we lost a second rounder. That's huge. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of younger guys stepping up. I think that's our inexperience is probably what's in question there. But, um, yeah, I think there's dudes that, that can hit top to bottom. I mean, we got guys that were splitting playing time last year and Ethan Groff and, and Logan Stevens and people like that that are, are probably going to play every day and have an impact for us. So, And then um, just we got a couple of transfers, a couple of freshmen that, that can swing the bat too. So I'm just, yeah, I'm excited, looking forward to it. I think we'll be all right. It was nitpicking that I asked, I noticed, I don't even recall it from watching you last year, but you struck out 20 times, which was the most on the team. Um, obviously, your numbers were great overall. Is that something you're focusing on, and, and, and what, what, what contributed to that? Uh, yes and no. I mean, part of what makes me a good hitter, in my opinion, is, is my ability to to hit different pitches and, and sometimes pitcher's pitches that that I shouldn't be hitting. So, I mean... Yeah, I'm sort of trying to control the strike zone a little better, but as a free swinger, it's just, um, just I don't know how to how to explain it, but kind of just dialing back what I go after and, and trying to do damage with pitches more than just put the ball in play. I should say. How quickly did you feel comfortable in your role last year? I know you had a home run at Cal Florida, and you had an incredible series in Middle Tennessee um, a little later in the year. Right, so. The first game I do not remember playing in at all, um, and then and then once we got to Fullerton, um, I think that's when it, it became real for me, and I realized that you know I can I can actually play here, um, and then yeah after that series the the ball just started looking huge and got a lot of confidence and um, the swing just started to feel good. So I think um, it, it took me a while for sure. I mean hitting off our guys in practice throughout the fall and. And leading up to the season last year helped a lot. I mean, like uh, Coach Jewett was saying earlier, there, there is a transition period for hitters. And I think I think that's one thing. As I get more comfortable, uh, the strikeouts will lessen. And, and I'll, I mean, just learning as a hitter is the most important thing. And I'm still, I still got a long way to go on that side of the ball. I've always been a good defender, but I'm, I, I'm still learning how to hit, to be honest. So we'll see. College hitters haven't been able to figure out Braden off the ball at all. I mean, it was last year, what, what was it like? What, how quickly, when you were in practice, did you realize how, how good this guy is? And what's it like trying to get hits off? Yeah, it, it's crazy, honestly. Um, I faced him. I want to say last week, and in my first at bat, and it was three pitches K, and I'm he threw me three different pitches, and I mean against him, it's it's insane. So. You're really just trying to guess at uh, at the end of the day, and if you get a knock off of him, you just that's all you can ask for. How much does it help the team to have a guy like that that you can throw on the mound I mean, to, to open every every series? Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, he, like you saw last year, he's lights out. Um, it just there's a trust factor too when he's on the mound. Yeah, he can defend his position. You know he's gonna be around the zone all the time. Uh, it's just it's just very comforting knowing that that having somebody like that on a Friday night, you're gonna be in a lot of games. Even if you're not swinging it well offensively, that um, that he's gonna keep you in range and and allow you to to try to win the game.
Good, how are you? Coach talked a little bit about your uh, ability to run <laughs> and, and run the bases. So then I got to ask, how fast are you? Not that fast. <laughs> that, that, that's. I used to think I was fast until I got here, and uh, no, I mean, I would say I would say like 60 speed. I'm not that fast, but um, I, I definitely know how to run the bases. I mean, back in high school, we were super aggressive on the bases. Um, just instinct wise, knowing knowing the game, everything like that. I mean, it's just something I've done my whole life. It's just just run like crazy, and I think that's kind of what he's trying to say when he says I can run. It's not not so much that I, I fly or anything like that. It's just that I have pretty good instincts on the bases. You got a good job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I need it. Thank you. Thank you. Anything else? All right, we'll be right back in here shortly with Ray Cool. Thank you. Did I do all right? Trevor, you did great. <laughs> you did great, buddy. Okay, once again, we'll go over to Paul Maneri. So let's go over to Paul Maneri. Uh, we'll switch over to Paul Maneri now. So let's start like that on the screen. I've got to switch it over. I apologize. Um, let me get this out, and we'll have to switch this over to Paul Maneri. For sure. By four. Sorry about that. Um i switch back over to Palmineri. We had the wrong button. I'm going to hit the button there. There we go. We got Palmineri. LSU Media Day uh, that happened um, uh, last month. Talking about LSU baseball. So uh, we're all live. So, And we'll have Will Wade's um, analysis on Tennessee. So that will be afterwards. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> Virtual 2021 Baseball Media Day. Uh, coach will speak from now until about 1230. He'll make a few remarks and we'll open up to your questions. And then getting at 1230, we'll have... Uh, Nine different players come at 10-minute intervals, so it should carry us until about 2 o'clock. So we'll go ahead and begin with Coach Maneri. Okay, Coach Maneri, uh, talking about LSU baseball. Uh, once again, LSU will play uh, Air Force this uh, next weekend. Uh, we will have that well, game for you on uh, YouTube and Twitter. For the last calendar year, how much I miss having you all here today so we could provide a nice lunch for you and get a chance to say hello to you all individually. But as, uh, as we've had to make a habit out of doing, we're adapting and doing the best we can with everything. So you guys are a little bit more used to these press conferences on Zoom than I am with the other sports. But uh, it's good to be with everybody. Today's an exciting day, to say the least. It's a beautiful day. Uh, Chamber of Commerce Day, as my good friend Jordy Holper just told me. Uh, it's a, it's, it, we're going to have a beautiful day to get everything done that we want to get done. We're going to simulate a, uh, we're going to simulate February 19th as best we can with our pregame batting practice, pregame infield, scrimmage game. We've got all three flags up out behind center field. The players will be in game uniforms for the first time. Uh, we'll have umpires. The field will be lined like it would be 
on a game day and uh and uh, hopefully hopefully the guys will respond well and be excited about being out there and and then it'll take a little bit of the nerves away from what they normally would feel on uh opening day which is february 19th against the air force academy so uh we're excited I, i'm uh i'm thrilled about the way our team is looking thus far uh it's been well chronicled we have a very veteran pitching staff you know, we lost Eric Walker and we lost Cole Henry from last year's team. But I believe that Jaden Hill has the capability of stepping in and picking up for Cole Henry as a, as a big-time starting pitcher. And the, I think we're going to see him continue to improve as the season goes on. Uh, obviously, Landon Marceau and A.J. Labus give us a veteran rotation. Uh, and then we've got so many guys coming out of the bullpen that have had experience with us and done a tremendous job. And when you add that to some of the young freshman pitchers, the pitching staff it gives us so much to be excited about. Position player-wise, we're probably as young as our, as our pitchers are veteran, uh, but that's not scaring me at all because I think we have a very talented group of position players and I'm excited about them. And the, 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 as the season goes on and the more experience that they gain, I just believe that they're going to continue to get better and better. And uh, I just think our team is, is primed to, to be one of the top teams in the SEC. That it's, The SEC is going to be as tough as it's ever been, if not tougher, because so many schools like us have had players return or not get drafted because of the shortened draft. And so the talent level in the SEC is going to be extreme. Uh, I, I'm not sure how many first-round pitchers are going to come out of the SEC, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're, you know, a third of the first round is, uh, is SEC pitchers or position players. So it's going to be an exciting season. Uh, today is uh, three weeks from opening day. And uh, we've got three weeks to get, get everything tightened up a little bit and get ready to start our non-conference segment of our schedule. Without any, any uh, more comments, I'll be happy to start taking questions. Let's talk about Jaden first, David. Okay, uh, you know when when Jaden was in high school up in Arkansas, he played third base a lot and pitched. He told me he hardly ever threw a bullpen session when he was in high school. So all of a sudden he comes to college. We decide he just he wanted to just focus on pitching. We we all felt that that was the right thing to do. And of course, Alan Dunn has his throwing program that he develops the pitchers with, and it's been extremely successful through the years. And we've hardly really had injuries throughout the years with, with the way that Allen has handled those guys. But, but for Jaden, it was a little bit much for what he had been used to in high school. And so the adjustment was pretty dramatic for him. He started the first two weekends of his freshman year and then went down with a sore arm. There was nothing structurally wrong with his arm. We did multiple MRIs, et cetera, 
it, it, it was just a matter of the muscles getting used to the to the quantity of throwing that required of a college pitcher. Last year, it was a very concerted effort on Alan and I, along, I, I should say, with Corey Couture, our trainer, to bring him along slowly in the spring. So we put him into the bullpen. We managed very carefully how many pitches he threw, how many innings he threw, with the idea that we would stretch him out as the year went on. The intention was to start him out in the bullpen, and then ultimately he might have moved into the rotation. Of course, the season got ended before we could we could uh, realize that that expectation. This year, I, there's no real holding him back. He he's going to start the season in the ro- in the rotation. We may hold him back a little bit more than what Marceau and Labus do, just because those guys are such veterans and have done it so much. Whereas, like opening weekend, for example, say Marceau and Labus went five innings if they pitched effectively enough. We may not have he'll go quite that long and just constantly be building it up. I really want the kid to feel confident not only in his ability to succeed and dominate, but also to feel that he's healthy. So rather than push him too much early, we might just take it a little bit slower than we do with the other guys. And I think he's going to be fine. He's probably the best athlete on our team, and there's no reason why he shouldn't have the endurance uh, and you know to be able to stretch it out, but we just want to make sure that we're doing the right thing. If everything goes according to plan, he should have 19 starts. You know, you got 14 in the regular season. You've got the SEC tournament, a regional, super regional, and hopefully a couple starts in Omaha. So you know, the first weekend of this weekend of the season is not going to make or break his season, and we want to be careful about that. Your next question, David, was about Dylan Cruz. Hey, listen, I could sit here and talk all day about Dylan. Dylan is one of those kids that you get to come, that, that arrives at LSU and you know there's something different about him. LeMayu had that same aura. Bregman had that aura. You know, Duplantis had that aura and so forth. Not only is Dylan an extremely talented player, but he has a tremendous attitude. He's as coachable as anybody we have. He works as hard as anybody we have. Uh, you can you can coach him hard if you want to. There's hardly ever a need to because the kid is so in love with the game, and he, you know he has the Bregman qualities as far as his passion for the game. I tell him he has Bregman's passion, but he's got Lemayu's swing. <laughs> he hits the ball with such authority to the opposite field, and uh, he, the other day he hit a home run off AJ Labus in a simulated game, about halfway up the stands in right field opposite field. You don't you don't see right-handed hitters hit him like that very frequently. So this kid has a lot of talent. Now, of course, LSU fans, when you start promoting guys like this, they expect a guy to hit 100 home runs and bat 500 and never make an out. we got to keep reminding ourselves he's an 18-year-old youngster, and he's going to have some days. The, the game is a humbling game. And he's going to have days, and, and one of the things he's, he's going to have to learn to do, because he hasn't had a lot of failure in his career, is be able to manage the failure without losing confidence and so forth. But I'm, I, I would not be surprised at all, because of the maturity level of this kid, that he's going to be fine. All right, looks like uh, you guys have been putting questions in the chat, so let's go ahead and do it that way. Okay. Uh, Glenn West has the next question. Hello, Glenn. Uh, you know, you mentioned um, some of the new guys that we could see out in the out in the field. I'm just curious, who who are a couple of 
handful of those guys that could, you know, really show something early on uh, this season. And I also just wanted to ask about Trey Morgan. You know, he was somebody that we heard a lot about in the fall, um, about his potential and his future at, like, first base. I mean, just, just talk a little bit about him and how exciting his promise is. Well, you pretty much answered your own question, Glenn. <laughs> uh, Trey Morgan is a kid to really be excited about. Gosh, do I love this kid. Uh, I had no idea he was this good when, when we recruited him, but he's a tremendous ball player. I've coached now. This will be my 39th year. I would put him in a category of maybe five first basemen that I've coached in my entire lifetime as far as his defensive skill around first base. He, 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 I, told him, he, I, I told him yesterday, you might be the first left-handed throwing shortstop in the history of the SEC if I have enough courage to do that someday. But he has those kind of glove skills, uh, you know, to be able to pick the ball and so forth. So I'm, I, in all honesty, I'm a little bit concerned about the left side of our infield defensively. We've got some work to do there. But one of the things that gives me confidence is knowing that Trey Morgan's over at first base because the throw doesn't have to be chest high for it to be an out. He's, gonna, he's got not only ability to pick balls in the dirt, but he's also got a wingspan where he can leap, reach, stretch his footwork on the bag to be able to give maximum distance to be able to stretch for a ball. He's just got great instinct over there. And oh, by the way, he's probably going to hit second or third in our order. So that'll tell you what a tremendous uh, potential I think he has as a hitter as well. And another just great kid, like uh, the same qualities I talked about with Dylan Cruz as far as his love of the game, his work ethic, his coachability. There's no prima donna in either one of those kids. I tell you, they are all team-oriented, and they just want to want to be good baseball players for us. I'm real excited about some other freshmen, Glenn. Uh, Brody Dross out of Barb High School, I think, is a, a young, budding Greg Dykeman-type player. Um, Will Safford out of Ohio. I always I have to catch myself from saying little Will Safford because I say that affectionately because uh, you know, I can look him eye to eye. But Will played safety on a state championship team at Ohio, so you know he's tough as nails. And... I've used this comparison before, uh, a left-handed hitting Tyler Hanover for people that have followed LSU baseball through the years. He's just a baseball rat. And whether you put him in center field, whether you put him at third base, second base, wherever you put him, he's going to play just as hard as he can and do a really good job. And, and I'm excited about him. Um, Jordan Thompson is an infielder that I feel very good about, and I think he's going to continue to improve. I don't know if these next three weeks he'll be completely ready to, to jump right in there or not. Um, the, the talent is there. There's just inconsistencies right now, and he's got to work on those. The sooner he's able to, to do so, I think the better his chance will be to be in there rather quickly. So I think those five position players are, are the, the top guys that we see. Um, from a pitching staff standpoint, I'll tell you uh, – I'm so excited about Garrett Edwards and Will Helmers. And they were probably not the high, most highly touted guys we brought in coming out of high school, but they just pitched. They, both of them have three pitches that they can control. They throw just hard enough to be able to be competitive with their fastball, but because they have really good off-speed pitches and command, it makes their fastball play a little bit harder. Um, but Ty Floyd has come back from Georgia and uh, from the Christmas vacation. I think he's made a lot of improvement. 
uh, as has Blake Money. Blake is really getting himself into great shape, and, and this kid is a personality that's, you know, just as wide as the Mississippi River Bridge. He's a Todd Peterson number two, if you know what I'm saying about that. Uh, so we, we've, we've got some good, young, talented players that, that I, I'm not going to be afraid to use them, and we're going to count on them, and I think the more they play, the better they're going to get. Hey, Coach. Good morning. Good morning, Jacques. How you doing? Not doing uh, bad. How about yourself? Not too bad. Uh, how many towns are you down now? <laughs> I've been running every morning. I want to look better in a uni. Take care of myself. There you go. Coach, um, last year, I mean, whatever last year was, uh, so through 17 games, you were batting 253 as a team. And I'm looking at those names. A lot of those names you can be counting on again this year, you know, removing Cabrera from that. Uh, how did you feel about the way you were moving offensively last year? Obviously, you never got to play in SEC and the weather didn't heat up and all that stuff. But uh, what, what, what are your expectations for a lot of those guys from last year, this well, year offensively? Well, that 252 was with a splurge at the end, by the way, okay? The last three or four games, we swung the bat well. Let me tell you something. If you could stick around and watch the way Eddie Smith works with these guys, it would give you a lot of optimism. Eddie is now in his second year with us, and he, he has worked these guys like you wouldn't believe. And, and I see the improvement each and every day. Guys that were on our team last year, you know, guys like, uh, uh, well, Kay Doty, for example. Kay Doty started out the season last year. He was hitting a lot of balls hard right at people, and so his numbers were not good through the first, I don't know, 10 games of the season or so. And then all of a sudden the hits started falling for him. He wasn't hitting the ball any better. They just were finding holes, and I think he got his average up to around 270 or so. This past summer, Cade went away and hit 420 in the collegiate summer league he was at. This fall, he led our team in hitting. So I think you're going to see guys like Cade Doty be a lot better. I thought Cade Beloso was not quite as good as he was as a freshman. I think we're going to see him blossom this year. He's in great condition. He's been you know, walloping balls out of the ballpark daily in batting practice, showing that power that he demonstrated in his freshman year. Gavin Dugas is coming on great. Uh, I think Giovanni De Giacomo is going to be a real wild card. If we can, and if Eddie can get him to just be a little bit more consistent, you know, he ended up hitting 350, I think, and led our team. But the extremes were way up here, and the extremes were way here as well. If we could try to get it a little bit more consistent, his speed is such a great asset that if he can just put the ball in play, he's going to make more things happen. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think some of those veteran guys, I think, are, are going to be better. Um, Malazzo's working hard. So is Hayden Travinsky. I think there's going to be, you know, some improvement out of both of them offensively. But the thing that's going to give us a better offensive team as well, Jacques, is going to be these young freshmen that I just talked about. Don't be surprised if you see Morgan and Cruz hitting in critical spots in the order right out of the gate. I'm not, I'm not going to be afraid to throw them right into the fire. Is it my turn? Hey, Wilson, yes. Fire away. Right. Good. Oh, somebody, somebody just walk around in the sensor. We'll knock it, bring it right back on. <laughs> there we go. I know my champions club. <laughs> um, this is, as far as I can tell, going to be 
you know, cause y'all are trying to play a normal structure to your season. One of the first attempts to really do that since the pandemic started, at least in college, um, what are going to be the challenges of getting through that and kind of how do you plan to sort of approach, you know, being able to play 56 games in the midst of what's still a pandemic? Well, first of all, Wilson, it, it took us a long time to get to the point that we decided to do this. Uh, we started talking as um, I say we, the 14 SEC coaches, along with the administration of the Southeastern Conference. We started talking about this way back in November, I believe, and we, we literally had a Zoom call about every two weeks. And we looked at every possibility from 14 weeks of four-game weekend series, SEC games only, so an entire 56-game schedule. The problem with doing that is the RPI is so important in how they judge teams in baseball for bids, for re regional hosts, for national seeds. And when you don't play non-conference games and you're virtually just playing each other, it affects your RPI in a very negative way. Literally half your teams will be under 500. The winning team might only win 60% of their games, and there's no RPI gain because assuming you can win the majority of your games against non-conference teams, then they're, they're comparing you to other conferences. And so we all kind of came back to the conclusion that let's give it a shot and see if we can do it. Now, we've had, we, everybody's had games canceled. Illinois canceled a three-game series with us. The Big Ten's doing conference only. Just last week, Cal Riverside canceled a three-game series with us. We replaced Illinois with the University of Texas San Antonio. Um, we replaced Cal Riverside with a combination of Youngstown State and Nichols State. Um, we, you know... Uh, Lamar called and canceled a midweek game with us. Army canceled the first weekend with us. Baylor ended up calling us and asking if they could jump into the weekend with us with UTSA because they had had two different teams cancel a three-game series with them, so we've tried to accommodate them. It's really been amazing to see how coaches around the country are trying to help each other out and work with each other, and so we have some unique scheduling things. So we anyway, the schedule is mapped out now, and now it's a, the challenge is to get through the schedule. And Wilson, listen, like there was saying in a movie, uh, there's only two certainties that I know. There is a God, and I'm not him, okay? So I can't predict what's going to happen with these kids, but we constantly are appealing to them about the sacrifices and the protocol that they need to make. And, um, you know, we're not, you know, our team is a microcosm of society. It, you know, we've dealt with some COVID issues. We're continuing to deal with them. And I'm sure other teams are as well. So we're prepared. We're preparing our team to have greater depth, greater versatility, so that if all of a sudden a guy or two gets knocked out, that we can almost seamlessly replace that player with somebody that's prepared so that we can continue to have a very competitive team. And then we also have a roster of other teams that we know that we can call on a spur of a moment. If we wake up on Monday morning and a midweek team calls me and says, we can't come tomorrow night, then I'm going to, you know, blast out phone calls and text messages to other teams in the state and see if somebody can jump in and replace them, you know, just in, for the next day or Wednesday, play on Wednesday type of thing. We play a sport that it's not, you know, like scouting is not as critical 
as it is like in football or basketball where you need a few days to prepare to play that opponent. In baseball, it's, it's different. I mean, scouting has its value, don't get me wrong, but you don't need three or four days to prepare to play an opponent. So, you know, if we have to change something very quickly, we'll, we won't hesitate to do that in hopes to get all 56 in. I'll keep my answer shorter. Okay. Uh, let's go, uh, we'll, we'll go to uh, Scott, Jared, Ben, and Andrew, and I'll wrap it up. So, uh, Scott, Godwin. Hey, Rob. I like that you snuck in that uh, quote from Rudy. If I could. <laughs> um, uh, first, first of all, how, how is your how, how are you feeling physically, and maybe compared to you know last season or, or in the past? And second of all. Obviously, there's a lot of reason. It sounds like a lot of reason to be excited about the players you have returning and the new players. But everyone, every roster is stacked. It seems like uh, in the SEC and college baseball. But what you've seen across the country, how how demanding, how arduous is it going to be to try to, uh, to to win win the SEC, much less win you know go to, to Omaha in the College World Series this year? Well, thank you for asking about my health, Rab. I feel great. Um, you know, I passed my COVID test yesterday. I get tested weekly. I've never not had COVID and all my tests have been negative. So we'll keep our fingers crossed on that. Uh, I had surgery on my neck back in November for second cervical spine surgery in 11 months. I'm still kind of dealing with, you know, the, the after effects of that, some headaches and those kinds of things. But relatively, I'm feeling pretty good for a 63-year-old man. Um, as far as the competition in the SEC and across the country, listen, the college baseball just keeps getting stronger all the time. And this might be the strongest talent-wise it's been maybe in a few decades. You know, a few decades ago, there were a lot of rules that were in place that allowed for college baseball to really flourish. And then a lot of rules in the NCAA were put in that started to limit what you could do and teams and so forth. Um, but because of the shortened draft, because of the getting an extra year of eligibility, because of the increased <coughs> rosters being allowed, although the scholarships didn't change, I do think that more teams are going to be more talented than ever before. We're used to this in the mm -hmm. SEC. We're, we're, yeah. you, know, you just have to be a chameleon, and you've got to adapt to what is there. Right. It's the same for everybody. So there's not going to ever be any excuses uttered from anybody at LSU. We're just going to keep our standards high. We're going to go out there and compete as hard as we can each and every day. And I think we've got a chance to be as competitive as anybody. Hey, Coach. Uh, Devin Fontenot has been on a roll. He's been racking up preseason first-team uh, first All-American accolades. You had mentioned back in the fall that uh, he had thrown like a major league bullpen yeah. type of bullpen at that sort, sort of level. Um, has he locked in his place as the closer? And if so, how much confidence do you have in him going forward? It, it's amazing that a kid that is a preseason All-American and has done the things that Devin has done can seem to be underrated by most people. You know, people want to emphasize, you know, one poor outing or one inconsistent outing or whatever you want to call it. But Devin is now a fourth-year player. He can throw the ball up to 95 miles an hour. His slider's better. His command's outstanding. He has such a better understanding of what he is as a pitcher and what Alan Dunn and I expect out of him. Absolutely, he's our closer. 
Um, there's no question about that, and I expect him to have a big year. I thought he was on his way to having a great year last year when it got cut short, but he can't do it alone. He's going to need a lot of help in that bullpen. You know, we're going to have, as you know, a veteran rotation, and assuming Jaden Hill, you know, runs with that job and does a great job. But if your starting pitcher goes out there and pitches you five to seven great innings, you got to have somebody that can handle the last two or three innings of the game. So not having a good bullpen can ruin a season. But I feel confident in our bullpen, not just in Fontenot, but Matthew Beck and Mikhail Hilliard and Aaron George and, and um, all those guys that, I know I'm forgetting a couple of guys, Trent Wittmeyer. The, these guys are veteran guys, and I think some of these freshman arms are really going to surprise people. And we even got a junior college kid by the name of Alex Brady that I think is going to help us a lot. He's a little bit of a Chris Cotton clone uh, from the way he pitches. But I think uh, I think our staff's going to be solid, and, and it needs to be. If you want to compete in this league, you better have a great pitching staff. Can somebody hasn't muted themselves? I think there you go. Thank you. Is Ed still on? Yes. Ed, you're muted. Sorry about that. That's um, okay. Somebody's muted. Paul, um, That's Ed. Ed Daniels. When you get to a weekend series in the SEC, your starting pitching is so important. I don't know if this is the right term, but based on where we might be with COVID, will you hide guys or will you? You know, how do you make sure that, that you keep those guys uh, clean as far as being able to pitch Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Well, that's a good challenge, Ed. It's going to be the, it's like having the quarterback of your football team. If he, if he goes down with COVID, you better have a good backup. So, you know, we're, we're just going to, look, you can't be with these kids 24 hours a day. All you can do is appeal to them to do the things that we think give them the least chance to catch it. And, and that is you know, to spend a lot of time in their apartment, keep their social groups small, make sure they're wearing their masks, go through drive-throughs to get their food, and that kind of thing. And, you know, hopefully, they, you know, we'll have good fortune with it. But I don't, I don't think you can, you know, quarantine a guy to a degree where you can absolutely guarantee his health. And we're just going to hope for the best and plan as best we can. And if somebody does go down, listen, if, if Hill or Fontenot or, or excuse me, Hill, well, Fontenot, if Hill or Marceau or Labus or Fontenot, those guys caught it and, and, and were put on the shelf for a little while, then somebody else is going to have to step up and do the job. How, you just got to treat it as though somebody had an injury and you've got to care about their health, that they come back to health soon and they recover. But in the meantime, you got to get the job done with the guys that are left for you. And that's the attitude that we're going to take as a team. Andrew Clay, KATC and Lafayette. I wanted to ask you, I know what happened last March is certainly not ideal and everything that got shut down, but now that you look back 10 months later, can you find any silver linings? No. <laughs> no. I just feel terrible for the kids that they, they missed out on an entire season. And the, not only our kids, but the guys that were high school seniors or second-year junior college players. And it, it's been an, Andrew, it's been an awful thing for everybody to deal with. And I think the one silver lining, to I give you an answer to your question, 
is that our players will never take anything for granted again. You have something taken away from you, maybe it increases your love of that particular thing and you don't take it for granted ever again. Last question from Scooter Hobbs. Whoa, well, we can't have a press conference without Scooter Hobbs. Come on. Hey, uh, you're looking at your roster. You, you got more players in the football team. Uh, uh, hey, Scooter, our, our, our Scooter's timeout. Our roster is only 38 guys. It's only three above what we normally would have. Well, it, 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 I don't know. It just looks like more. Does, does that present a challenge? Dealing with that many kids? Well, like I said, it's only three more than we than we normally have. We've got a couple of guys that aren't available right now because they're nursing injuries. So you, you get down to 35 that way. And, hey, listen, you know, the, 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 the good problem to have as a coach is when you have to make tough decisions between good players on who you're going to utilize. The bad problems is when you have to make decisions between players that aren't as talented. So it, it's part of the game. I've been making tough decisions for a lot of years. Uh, the best way to deal with things is just to be upfront and honest with players, and that's what I've tried to do. And, um, you know, but you can only play nine at a time, ten including the pitcher, I guess, and the DH. And, uh, you know, we, we'll manage it. You know, we've had a lot of experience at doing this, and I think we'll, we'll make our way through. Okay, guys, good to be with you all. Say okay, once again, uh, Paul Madari, uh, I'll be honest with you. I look at this season. I think the season is going to be a, a very um, special season for LSU because, look, uh, last year the COVID kind of shut things down and stuff like that. So I'll be honest with you. This is uh, definitely going to be a good baseball team um, to be reckoned with this year. Uh, look, uh, sure, they're going to have um, – uh, issues with the COVID. Hopefully, they uh, they do all the uh, necessary things to keep themselves healthy and stuff like that. So uh, that's just uh, my opinion on that. So uh, once again, thanks for joining us tonight on this late night edition of Sports Talk. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. We'll play the uh, Will Wade um, press conference. Uh, they, they was talking about the game against Tennessee. That will be um, tomorrow, one o'clock. So they will have that game. Uh, Tennessee and LSU. Um, you'll talk about that tomorrow, so we'll save that for tomorrow. So uh, once again, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, like, share, and follow us. Um, please uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube. We, we will be doing play-by-play -play coverage on YouTube and Twitter, so please follow us on those two sites. Also follow us on um, Tumblr. Follow us on the Twitch channel. We'll be on Twitch um, uh, whenever we can. We'll be on Twitch. Uh, also follow us on uh, Instagram. Follow us on um, the Skype. If you want to come in and Skype us, you can do that uh, anytime. Also follow us on the LinkedIn pages. Follow us on um, Blogspot. And also, you can follow us on the um, Anchor.fm um, website. This podcast, uh, the first, uh, this uh, second um, part will be on, uh, along with the first part, will be posted uh, on the uh, on air for our listening um, 
experiences. So once again, um, go there, follow um, follow that um, that the site that we that we give you. So uh, once again, everybody have a good uh, rest of your um, fr uh, Saturday morning. Now uh, we, we're <laughs> it's almost uh, it's twelve forty one in the morning. So uh, Friday night, Saturday morning. So um, we'll be back tomorrow once again uh, for sports talk. Ugh, shit. Turn this.